discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life. And most importantly, in business. On Sudden Eye Impact. With your host, Lee. The environment put me in greater than, greater than. The circumstances that I'm faced with greater than, greater than. The environment put me in greater than, greater than. The circumstances that I'm faced with greater than. Yes, in your life counts, and enthusiasm definitely makes a difference. Hello and welcome. You're live on the Sudden Eye Impact Show with your host, Lee, coming to you from the DFW Metroplex. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we have fun together, we learn together, and we encourage one another. On the Sudden Eye Impact Show, we discuss a variety of topics such as, but not limited to, 100% responsibility, accountability, accountability partners, mentorship, the power of belief, the power of thought, the power of expectation, the power of words, consciousness, awareness, becoming the observer, being of service, creativity, innovation, visionary leadership, entrepreneurship, goal setting and goal attainment, imagination, visualization, economic empowerment, relationships, the power of partnerships, belief systems, decision making, the mind, mindset, success, self-concept, focus mastery, and attitude. On our show, we share concepts, principles, processes, and systems that work when you work them that deliver good and great results. Our show's vision, mission, purpose, and intention is to discuss and deliver simple, basic, fundamental ways to help everyday people experience more fulfillment, satisfaction, enrichment, enjoyment, health, mental health, awareness, and overall peace through utilizing your own latent resources that lie dormant within you. The Sudden Eye Impact Show is spiritual, inspirational, and motivational, expressing electrifying and energetic, powerful, and transformational content that anyone can learn, apply, and consistently to any area of their life, to change their life for the better, and to change their life for the best. <clears throat> Excuse me. Today we have a special guest, a distinguished guest, and y'all are in for a treat. Following this introduction, the next voice that you will hear will be Coach DeCarlo Eskridge. My distinguished guest today, DeCarlo Eskridge, has served phenomenally for a Fortune 500 giant in the capacity as a computer information systems tech and engineer for more than 20 years. Coach DeCarlo Eskridge is a coach's coach, a coach to the stars. Coach DeCarlo Eskridge is a healer, transformational thought leader, certified master life coach, ordained minister, certified stress and care facilitator, and he's highly sought after, motivational keynote speaker, certified hypnotherapist, well-established author of several independently published books through his entity, New Day Enterprises, where he serves as president and CEO. Coach DeCarlo Eskridge has an amazing show called the Metaphysical Art Theater. Coach DeCarlo Eskridge teaches with great simplicity and is a master encourager. He reads more than 50 books annually and has an incredible and immaculate book collection of more than 2,000 books. With no further ado, we bring to the platform Coach DeCarlo Eskridge. How you doing, DeCarlo? I'm doing outstanding, sir. How are you doing? Wonderful, man. It's a blessing to have you on the show, man. The whole globe needs to hear you. I mean, if they don't know you after today, they will know you. Outstanding. I look forward to speaking with you, and I look forward for this moment of us uh, breaking spiritual bread and through conversation. Absolutely. 
So let's uh, dive right into the meat of the matter. They themselves are makers of themselves. Talk to me. Each person, whether they understand it or not, they're creating their world. We think that our thoughts advance to the past, but we're always thinking ahead of our evidence. And once we begin to understand that we're thinking ahead of our evidence and we become more mindful of our thinking, we begin to transform our world. Wow. Did y'all hear that, folks? Wow. So talk to us about thought. And the reason why I'm asking you this is because no one has clearly explained what thought is. You know, kind of on the surface, they'll say something like, oh, it's a mental action that causes things to happen. And we know it exists because we can see the ramifications around us, all around us, just like the ramifications of the wind. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The thing that people need to understand about thought, thought is a vibrational energy. And vibration always manifests according to its kind. For example, someone wonders why everything bad seems to happen to them. And they say, well, if I start doing positive thinking, for example, that my life will change. If you don't change at the feeling thought level, then your life is going to be remain the same. For example, if you say, well, you know, Every day and everywhere, I'm, begin, I'm becoming better and better. But in your thoughts and in your feeling nature, you feel that nothing ever works out for me. The only thing that you can reproduce is more of nothing ever works out for me. Business owners need to understand why is business not coming their way. And they wonder and they think that it's something that they're doing. They're thinking that, you know, maybe it's an employee. A lot of that is energy that's being sent out, just like a person going in for an interview. They think, they say, well, why am I not getting these jobs? You know, I, I, I go, I got the qualifications, I look good, I dress, I feel good. But in their core of cores, they don't believe that they are deserving or worthy of that job. So, of course, even though that's not been communicated verbally, thought energy is being transmitted. And so they're telling the interviewee, I'm not worthy. Now, the interviewee, he or she doesn't pick up, I'm not worthy. They just say, you know, there's something about that candidate that did not, I didn't feel it. You know, something, it just didn't make it for me. And so I'm going to look to the next candidate. Now, the person is wondering why they go from job interview to job interview, for example, and why they're not getting the job. First and foremost, they're not feeling worthy of having that job. So until they change their feeling state, they can only reproduce more of the same. Wow, wow, wow. Talk to us about belief systems. Belief systems. The thing about many of us about beliefs, they've been given to us as early as childbirth. You know, our family, our loved ones, our community, our schooling begins to integrate to us what it is that we believe. And Many of us go through our whole lives, and we never shift from the beliefs of our parents. And so you got people 90 years old, and they're still being raised by their parents because they're still operating from that belief system that was taught to them as a tot. So until we begin to challenge the things that we say that we believe, then we're going to continue to stay in a perpetual cycle of lack, loss, and limitation even though we seek wisdom, wellness, and wealth. We can't get there with our current belief system. It's important that we change our belief 
system, but we have to take in something new. We have to see a different possibility. We have to take on a different paradigm in order to change that belief system. As long as we're operating out of our parents' belief system of religion, of indoctrination, of you know how we spend money, then we will remain the same even though our circumstances appear to change. We'll find a way back to our current belief systems until that belief system is changed. Fittingly stated. Talk to me about consciousness. What is consciousness? Most people, going back to belief systems and habits, most of this is founded on the foundation of consciousness. And much of it, not at the conscious level, we're not even aware of some of the things that we believe. But at a subconscious level, at a heart level, Scripture calls it the heart. You know, what a man believes in his heart, her heart, so is he, so is she. Many of us have, at the conscious level, things that we think that we believe, but at the subconscious level, things that we truly believe. And when I say the subconscious level, I'm speaking really of the feeling nature. Sometimes, for example, we say, well, I feel wealthy and abundant. But at that feeling subconscious level, at the imaginational level, where we begin scripting our world, we still see a mind, a world of lack, loss, and limitation, not enough to go around, a world of competition. So we can't see building other people up because we think that if there's not enough to go around, why am I going to build them up? Because if I build them up, and again, we're not even aware that we believe this because most of this is operating at a subconscious level. If I build them up, then there's not going to be enough for me. And so we keep wondering why our businesses are not prospering, why our relationships are not prospering, why those ventures that we take on seem to go but so far. And a lot of it is because of our subconscious modality. And until we begin to be mindful, now I want to give you a little tidbit into that. When you start imagining, envisioning, make-believing, you're in the process of changing that subconscious modality. Subconscious is changed at that lower level, at what we call the alpha level, alpha level or the theta level. When you start going, see, most of us are operating at the beta level. That's basic mind thought, you know, where we're at a conscious level, and we're operating there, and we think that we can make transformation there. You can't. Most transformation comes when we start imagining, meditating, thinking about, dreaming about. It says, without a dream without a dream or vision, people perish. When we begin to dream or imagine something different, we begin to reprogram the subconscious mind because what happens when we begin to meditate, dream, we bypass the conscious level. And so when we're able to bypass the circuit or the programming of the conscious level, then we can make change take place. But many of us are operating from that programming that's within us that we're not even aware that's there. Only thing that we know is that we keep getting the same results. So sometimes if you want to know what you're thinking, look at your life. Your life will always mirror your dominant thoughts. So if you're in one bad relationship after another, you got to know that your subconscious programming is bringing that about. And then until you change that subconscious programming, you're going to keep reproducing the same. But again, the key to changing subconscious programming 
is begin to envision, imagine, dream a different dream. Wow, wow. So is there a difference between consciousness and awareness, or is it the same? Consciousness and awareness, you know, a lot of times when we talk about being aware, most of our awareness is at a conscious level. A lot of things that we're unaware of, the little tidbits that we get, the insights, the eureka moments, they come at a deeper level of awareness. And this is when you start tapping into subconscious, when spirit, God, source, whatever you call that infinite being, begins to speak through you. So most of us are operating at our awareness level at the conscious level. And it's because of we're operating out of what it is that we know. And so we're operating out of reason. But if you want to transcend, if you want the breakthroughs in your business, if you want the breakthroughs in your relationships, then you have to begin going into what we call the silence. You have to get silent and begin to listen to what many of us call the still small voice. And that voice of awareness transcends what it is that we know. We come into insights, things that we, we come into a problem. We say, well, how can I solve that problem? Now, initially, we start trying to solve that problem at a conscious level. And mm-hmm. that conscious level is based off of all the information that we know. But if you want to go deeper into understanding and discovering who it is that you are, then it's important that you go deeper into, like I said, we talked about the alpha, theta, you know, gamma. You have to go deeper, but you can't do that at a, you've got to bypass consciousness. And the only way you can do that is get into, like I said, a meditative state. Sometimes we can do it at a sleep state. But the it's like when you're driving and you've had a challenge that you were thinking about, and you get on the road and you've got like less than an hour drive. Now, in that hour drive, you're focusing on the road, but you go into playing a state almost like autopilot, and you get to your destination without even being aware. But something happens when you bypass the conscious, the conscious level of awareness. What happens is you open up to subconscious mind, and that idea that you were seeking, that song, that, that verse, that, you know, whatever it is that you were looking for, that thing, that, that challenge that you were facing, the answer to that challenge you were facing, comes to you when you're not focused on the answer. Again, it's given to you by the subconscious level. So we're always aware. The best thing that we can do at a conscious level of awareness is be mindful of what it is that we're giving our attention to. See, most of us give our attention to lack, loss, and limitation. But we want to reproduce wisdom, wellness, and wealth. If we can be at a, at a conscious level, getting again, again, going back to the conscious level, if at a conscious level we can just be mindful of what it is that we're giving our attention to, if we're thinking thoughts other than lovely and of, of a good report, or if we're thinking thoughts less than what it is that we want to manifest in our lives, then it's nothing else at a conscious level being aware. That's not the thought I want to think so that you can begin to think about what it is that you want to create in your world. We're always creating. The question is, what? 
Wow. So that brings me to talk to us about the power of expectation. What is expectation to you? And teach us about the power of expectation. Expectation, if understood, can change your world. And what I mean by that, sometimes we call it expectation. Sometimes we just say intention. Some people call it the law of intention. When I decided years ago that I was going to make a move from California at that time and relocate to Atlanta, Georgia, because I kept hearing about all the hype about Atlanta. Now, when I was in California, I had just come out of the military not too long you know, after that, you know, arriving there. I was, I'm originally from Ohio. But a friend of mine said, man, if you need a place to stay, come down to California. you got a place to stay. And so I took him up on his offer. Now, being there, you know, I had a roommate situation. Life was good, you know, but I was barely scraping by. And I knew that I needed to be in a different environment. So when I looked at my environment and my current situation at that time, I saw no means from making the transition from California to Atlanta. But I set the intention in place. I said, I'm moving to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, how that was going to take place, I did not know. But because of my expectation and setting the intention in place, things started to orchestrate, as they will with all of us. Once we give mind, we have within us a reticular activating system. I like to call it a global GPS within us. When we set our intention on whatever the item is, a new car, a new relationship, a new house, a relocation, what happens is the reticular activating system, our internal GPS system, begins to set in motion events that will allow us to manifest the thing that we're trying to manifest. So in this case, I wanted to move from California to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, one day I'm driving home from work, and I see this big old Nova, probably like a 1990 Nova at that time, and those things were made out of straight steel. Now, me, myself, I was driving in this box of a car called a Toyota Tourcell, and literally it was a metal box. And this guy was plowing behind me, and I said to myself, this guy is not going to be able to stop. He plowed into me. I plowed into the person in front of me, and they plowed into the person in front of them. Needless to say, you know, long story short, there was an insurance claim filed, and that was the money or the seed money that allowed me to move from California to Atlanta, Georgia. And I drove that car that was totaled <laughs> to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, my whole point is, when you set the intention, the expectation in place, your reticular activating system is going to move heaven and hell out of your way to make the thing that you desire or determine to manifest the expectation to be brought about. Now, that's a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing. Now, you say, well, Carl, how can that be a bad thing? What if your expectation is nothing good ever works out for me? All men are dogs. I can't get a good job. I can't get ahead. There's no opportunities out there. What if that's your expectation? The reticular activating system works the exact same way. 
It moves heaven and hell out of your way so that it can bring about the thing that you've been claiming to be your reality. Wow. So in uh, Proverbs 18.21, it says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Proverbs 6.2 says, by your words you are snared. Matthew 12 and 34 says, by your words you are justified, your words you are condemned. So talk to us. A lot of people don't know about the power of words, and it's in my introduction. Talk to us about that. I am are two of the most powerful words in the universe. Now, many people would say, well, DeCarlo, why is I am the most powerful words in the universe? In the beginning, God said, this is what we've been told. But you have to understand you've been created in the image and the likeness of God. So in your beginning, the beginning of your day, we're always having new beginnings. So I want the listeners to understand that when they wake, when they put place their feet on the floor, and they say, this is going to be a terrible day, they're setting in motion events that have to coincide with what it is that they say. Because we've been created in the image and the likeness of God. Now, what that means mostly, let's not get into physical attributes or anything like that. It means that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. These bodies we wear are nothing more than earth suits, vehicles of travel, for the spirit, the soul, whatever you want to call it. Because spirit has been created in God's spirit, and we've been called sons and daughters, children of God, when we speak, when we decree a thing, even if we think to ourselves, I really didn't mean to say that thing, it says in Scripture that we will give an account to even the idle words. Not just the positive words or the negative words, but even the words we say idly are creative. If you look in the environment around you, everything that you see started off with a word or an ideal as a concept. When God speaks, he's not speaking words as we have to. He vibrates the thought. We vibrate the thought. Now, many of us use, of course, our vocal systems, but words really start in the mindset, in the thoughts. You can think a thought, never say it come out of your mouth, and see the manifestation of that thought. So the verbal manifestation of thought comes out in the form of words, and words are the implementation, as it were, of thought. And thoughts are words in reverse. So when we understand that we are creators by design, I am. Whatever you link to I am must be manifested in your reality. For example, I'm stupid. Universe says, be it unto you according to your faith. I am smart. Universe says, be it unto you according to your faith. Now, let me add a caveat there. It's the thing that you say with feelings. 
the things that you believe in your heart of heart, in your subconscious mind. See, many of us are saying, I'm prosperous, and they're still manifesting, broke, busted, and disgusted. Many of them say, I'm in a loving relationship, and they keep running across knuckleheads, jerks, or people that take advantage of them. It's what you say in your feeling nature, I'll never get ahead. I'll never amount to anything. And many of those things, we didn't even originate those thoughts. Someone else originated them for us, a parent, a loved one, a sibling, a teacher, an educator, someone inside our community, a leader, or even someone you've ever overheard a police officer say, you know, these guys will never amount to anything. And we've purchased what it is that someone else said as our reality. Words are powerful because words are a vibration of who it is that you are in essence. And if you want to change who it is that you are, you have to change who you are in your belief system or in your core belief system. Now, many people say, well, DiCarlo, how do I do that? I said it earlier. You begin to imagine yourself differently. When I started looking at the transition from California to Atlanta, I had no means of making that happen. The only thing that I had to make that happen was the intention or the, as you stated earlier, the expectation. See, what you expect, you bring about. And the only way to begin changing that is to expect something differently. Now, initially, when you begin to expect something different, you say, this is just make-believe. This is pretend. Jesus says this, unless you become as a little child, you will no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. You have to enter into this thought process as a child, and you have to begin playing mental games with yourself of pretend, of expectation, of make-believe. That's why children who make-believe that they're doctors and lawyers and professionals of every sort or Olympic gymnasts or an athletes or a Tiger Woods that first and foremost is envisioned by his father Earl Woods. Once you begin to own that new thought, all the world will begin to acquiesce and make way for the new person that you've seen yourself to be. Wow. Phenomenally stated. I want to talk to you about a subject, and I don't understand it, because based off of what you've said today, if it works anywhere, it works everywhere. Why is this thing with money such a hard deal? And, and I know people have these beliefs in their subconscious, you know, money is the root of all evil, even though that's not what the scripture says, or they, they think it's filthy lucre, or they think people that have it did something illegal, or they took something from somebody. Help us out. Teach us about why, why, why is money such a hard deal to deal with? I mean, universally, you know, the masses. Absolutely, absolutely. The problem with money is our perception of money. See, from an early stage, and when I say an early stage, I'm going back even further in time, a thousand years, two thousand years, the church had to decide how it was that they could get 
poor, impoverished people to part with their money and give it to them. So we begin to indoctrinate people early on. So the programming that we're dealing with is not something that we've been dealing with for 100 years, 200 years. It's for thousands of years, for millenniums. And it was always the goal of those who who are in power to separate those who had little power from the resources that they had. Now, the best way that you could do that is by storytelling or indoctrination. And if you can indoctrinate a child early on and make a child believe that money is evil, for example, then, of course, you're going to do everything possible to flee money, make sure that you don't have enough money, and anybody that approaches you about money is going to bring a certain feeling, a certain mindset about money. Now, as we grew wiser, as we became more educated, we still had the programming of the indoctrination of money being evil, for example, that there's not enough money to go around. But we fail to understand the origin of money. And the origin of money, as you know, was a medium of exchange. Now, the exchange was the exchange of service. So money, in its essence, represents the individual and the service that the individual provides. You provide a service for me, and I say thank you for that service. And what I do is compensate you by something that we agreed upon, a note that we call money. Now, of course, money used to be based off of the gold standard, and pretty soon we exceeded the gold standard. So what we did was created this paper stuff called money or notes or what they are. So these notes are nothing more than promissory. So it's an agreement between you and I that I'm going to pay you for the services that you've given me, the energy that you've given me, the life force that you've given me, and I'm going to exchange it for the life force that I have, and we're going to do it by something that we call money. So if we understand money in its essence, it's an exchange of life force. You're exchanging your efforts, your time, your energy, into what it is that I've requested of you. And I say, I'm taking change, but I'm going to compensate you with the effort, the energy that I have, we call money, a medium of exchange, for the services that you provide. The truth of the matter, what we're truly understanding, if we understand this at all, is that we're exchanging energy, not money. We're exchanging agreements between spiritual beings, and we says what we're going to do is we're going to use this monetary note that we call money as that means of exchange because you're in one part of the world and I'm in another part of the world. And so since I can't physically give you my labor, I give you this exchange. Now, money's changing now. It used to be that we focused on a note. Money will soon become digital, solely digital. We go to our bank account and we say, listen, I need $100. So they look at your digital account. And they say, they look at these binary notes and these numbers and so forth, and they say, okay, yeah, he has the appropriate binary notes inside his account, so we're going to give him right now this currency. We're going to move away from paper money soon. And we can see that with credit cards and digital coin, uh, currency like Bitcoin and other uh, digital currencies and so forth. But it's still the same principle. It used to be way back when that 
I used to exchange a rock for your cattle, or I would exchange rice or beans or something else in exchange. But what we ended up doing was coming to a common place of agreement, and we said in this part of the country we're going to honor this thing, this note here, as a representation of that salt, as those beans, as those lentils, for exchange for my cow, for example. The biggest thing that people need to understand about money is that money is an exchange of energy. It's not good, bad, it's not evil. It's life force being exchanged between people. And in Scripture it says that the laborer is worthy of his hire. It's funny to me that when you're offering spiritual service, that people don't think that they need to pay for spiritual service. For example, if I'm telling you how to use these spiritual principles to change your life or to transform your life, and all of a sudden you've used the principles and transform your life, and now because you've used the principles, you've created a new relationship. You've created more money in the bank. You've created better health. You say, well, those are spiritual principles, DeCarlo. You shouldn't charge me for them. But somebody can go into a corporation, let's say Bill Gates, and he'll take a product uh, such as Microsoft. And again, we're still talking about digital software that you can make one digital software copy and multiply that infinite, you know, to infinity. But when we look at spiritual principles, we say, well, Bill Gates should be compensated, but even though DiCarlo Eskridge changed my life, he shouldn't be compensated because he's teaching spiritual principles. I want them to understand that everything's spiritual. Bill Gates' Microsoft is spiritual. These principles that we're talking about right now are spiritual. When somebody impacts your life and they speak into your life and your life is transformed, then you say thank you by the exchange of energy, often we call money. But we've been so indoctrinated by the early church that many of us say, well, I'm going to get mine in the hereafter. The kingdom of heaven is now you begin experiencing the more abundant life now. He says that I come, not that you just have life, but that you have life more abundantly. But how many of us are living the more abundant life? Very few. And the people that understand these principles most, who understand how money works the most, are the wealthiest people in the world. And we say, well, they're not spiritual, but they understand how the spirit of money works. Money in itself is no respecter of person, but if you believe or have the mindset that money is bad, that money is filthy, that you don't understand that money is an extension of yourself and that it is an ex- a spiritual exchange, more so than a monetary exchange. You'll always be operating from lack, loss, and limitation until that mindset is changed. Man, thank you. What prompted me to ask that question is I was on a training last night, and the thing went over, and there was a lady on there, and I actually direct messaged her because I want to help her at no cost to her. Um... She, she's about to get her Ph.D. 
and she's bawling, crying about finances. And so in my mind, I couldn't make the connection. I'm like, she's about to get her doctorate degree at some school out in Los Angeles. And um, she said something, and then one guy got on there. Uh, he just sold his business for $150 million. So he, he lit her up. Then another guy got on there. He said he's worth like $350 million, and then by November or December, when they're going through the legal ramifications or whatever on the acquisition and all that, he's going to be worth $2.6 billion. And then another guy got on there. I think he was worth over $100 million. And these guys, they're, they're giving her input, but it wasn't with love. So she broke down crying, and then the moderator said, you know, make sure you're doing self-care. Make sure that you're getting water to get hydrated because we're hitting some, some deep points. And so I, I instantly direct message her because she ha I know she has some different beliefs in her subconscious that she's going to have to purge out and she's going to have to replace with more healthier things. But I listened to what she said. She said that in her household, her mother always got rid of the money. Um, they had to wear hand-me-down clothing. And I'm thinking, like, she's working on her Ph.D. And so in your mind, in your natural mind, you're thinking, like, man, she should be beyond that. And then I'm thinking, like, man, look at how these guys with major, major, major money, how they treated her. And so that's what prompted me to, to, to even ask you that question that I asked you. We have to understand that. There's a lot of highly educated derelicts, and there's a lot of people who hadn't finished high school who are billionaires. Money is not the byproduct solely of education. If the education or the indoctrination that you have about money is that money's a bad thing or that there's not enough to go around, with the young lady, the guys... It's like my son, for example. He's in heating and air. He does a great job. But sometimes he's perplexed that his customers don't understand the dynamics of heating and air. And he's like, they should understand this. But see, what he fails to understand, he's been doing this for 10, 15 years. So he has the benefit of application. Those multimillionaires, billionaires, have the mindset and the benefit of application. She's gone to school, and it's fostered her to get her Ph.D., but it's what most of us are operating off of. It's head knowledge, but head knowledge will not give you what practical application will give you. So... Her practical application says there's not enough money to go around, that she's struggling even now to pursue the Ph.D. And not that she had to, but she believed that she had to. I used to believe that in order to drive a luxury car, that, you know, maintenance was going to be higher and, you know, that, you know, this and that, and that I saw myself at that moment as always being where I was at that moment. That's nonsense. But when you don't know, you think that it's your reality. Now, I only bring that up when my mind shift 
changed, and I started driving a higher caliber car. I found that I paid less money in maintenance in the higher caliber car than I did when I was driving the Saturn and the Toyota Tourcell, you know, and the cars like that as such. When you make the shift, what's going to happen is that things around you are going to also shift. So you'll find, even with the lady with the Ph.D., when she begins to understand how money works and that there is no limit in the universe. You, God is a lavish waster. Now, people are going to say, DeGarlo, you shouldn't say that, but hear me out. God makes a seed, and that one seed produces affinity. You look at a tree. You don't go to most trees unless it's a dead tree and see one leaf. You see hundreds of thousands, millions, perhaps depending upon the size of the tree, even billions of leaves on that tree. You find the same thing when you're looking at a petal or a stock of corn. God is a lavish waster. He gives overly abundant. God's only problem is us, and it's our thinking. See, we believe that, no, I shouldn't ask God for this. God sees no difference between one cent and a trillion dollars. It's no different to God. It says when they went into the wilderness, some gathered much and some gathered little. But each person, according to their need, their needs were met. When you begin coming to God with a bigger vision, what you're going to find happens is universe, world, environment is going to open up to fill the larger void. But likewise, if you come to God with a small vision and say, guys, you know, I only can trust you to you know, just give me a potato. You know, you know, remember years ago, if you ever watched um, New Jack City, Chris Rock was on there, and he says, you know, uh, no, it was, um, I'm going to get you, sucker. And he's like, just give me a rib. Give, give me one rib. So God says, here's a rib. Because, see, that's all you ask for. But for the person who says, no, I want a whole cattle. I want a cattle ranch. I, matter of fact, I want multiples. Then expectation begins to set in motion this person beginning to get educated and the pathway being open to manifest what it is he or she asks for. Wow. While we're on that subject, too, actually, I was going to ask you about two miracles, but this brought me up because I went out across the world, you know, probably from 2005 to 2011 uh, to hear the best of the best ministers. So the first question I'm going to ask you about is over there where it says that Abraham was very rich. Like, is, is that a story or or is that really real or, or what? Let me say this. You know, there's people that will take you on both sides of the aisle. I like saying this. If you understand scripture aright, from Genesis to Revelation, it's your story. Now, what do I mean? We're allowed to enter into states. Many of us think those states, attitudes, dispositions, 
are who we are. But when we change our states, our attitudes, our dispositions, our thoughts, our feelings, we shift from one state to the other. If you're looking through Scripture, everything's covered, from homosexuality to murder to great abundance to wisdom to visions and dreams. The final state of consciousness when you're looking at Scripture is Christ. When we come into the fullness of who we truly are, we understand that I and Father are one. Now, we use the tools of infinite intelligence every day when we say I am. When we say I am, we're linking ourselves to, to the Father, the creator of the universe. He said to Abraham, Abraham said, who should I say sent me? He said, tell them, I am that I am. Abraham understood at that day, the biggest thing that we need to understand that Abraham discovered was who he was. When you look at scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and you begin clothing yourself in these personas, Abraham, David, Moses, Noah, Jesus, Paul, you can clothe yourself with the attitude of any of these personas, and you'll begin manifesting. It says that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. When you begin to believe God, the creator, the divine, within you, not the one floating around in the sky, Jesus Christ says, do you not know that I and the Father are one? When you see me, you've seen the Father. Many of us call ourselves by the name Christian, but we don't understand what it is that we're saying. So we're only Christians in creed and indoctrination of what the church has told us that we are. But when we truly understand who we are, we clothe ourselves into the body of God. We come into the realization that I and Father are one. And as we move through these states of consciousness, the final state of consciousness is understanding that I am one with the Father, that me and the Father are one. And when you begin to understand that you are a creator, we talk about this stuff all the time, but we truly have not come into the realization of who it is that we are. Now, we talk about it, people preach about it, but then we go out and we live lives of quiet desperation. We live lack, loss, and limitation, broke, busted, and disgusted. And we say, why isn't this thing working out for me? It's working out exactly how it's supposed to work out. Be it unto you according to you as you think, as you think you are. When you change your mindset, when you change your thoughts. See, many people want to get caught up on the characters of the Bible. Many of us, we're still where we were 2,000 years ago when Jesus gave the go out and make disciples throughout all the world. When Paul was doing these great miracles, we stop at Jesus. He says, but greater works shall you do. The works that I've done, even greater works you should do. So why aren't we doing them? Because we don't believe that we can. Mm. We look at Jesus and Paul as the exception. They weren't the exception, they were the examples. From Genesis to Revelation is your story. But until you begin clothing yourself into these personas and you begin saying as they said and begin living as they lived, you'll continue to experience what you've experienced. 
Wow. It's like being at Piccadilly, Furs, Luby's, Golden Corral. Y'all got the buffet out there before y'all. Y'all better eat. Okay, Absolutely. so the other two miracles I wanted to ask you about. Um, over there, and I think it was Second Kings, might have been three, I'm not sure, but basically it was a drought and it needed the rain. And he told him to start the prophet, I think it was uh, Elijah, he said, uh, dig ditches. And I guess the guy was looking crazy or whatever. What happened on that deal? We're always thinking ahead of our evidence. Jesus says, you know, don't say that the harvest is coming four months. The harvest is white, ripe now. Many of us want rain. We want a downpour. But we're not prepping our lives to receive it. So even when the rain comes, because we were ill-prepared, we can't receive it. We'll find ourselves receiving so much of the blessing. You know, somebody wins a lottery ticket. But see, they have not prepped their mindset to receive a lottery ticket, a win. They haven't become billionaires in their mind. They haven't become wise stewards of the thing that they're trying to draw into their mind. They haven't prepped themselves. They haven't digged the ditch for the relationship. So they still got the bad attitude. The new person comes into their life, and they say, why didn't it last? Whoever it is that you want to be symbolizes the rain. The rain is the downpour of what it is you're seeking to manifest into your life. We call that salvation. Dr. Joseph Murphy said to my mentor, he says, um, if the thing that you desire is a hamburger, the hamburger becomes your salvation. Rain is symbolic of the answered prayer. When you're seeking to bring about the answer of the prayer, you have to prep yourself. It, he asked the widow, what's in your house? Begin go get, get in the jars. You prep yourself for the thing that you want to manifest. See, the problem is many people are trying to get ready when the manifestation takes place, but at that point it's too late. You can't be a master talk show host and you've not practiced. You can't be this CEO of this great company and you've not learned how to manage your own affairs. You can't be a loving husband in a loving relationship if you've got problems with anger and you haven't addressed those issues. Prepping the ground is getting oneself ready for the thing that they say that they want to manifest in their life. Wow, y'all getting some great teaching today. Talk to us about what happened with the little last uh, five loaves and two fish. What happened from your perspective? Life meets us at the expectation. You spoke about expectation earlier. Now, Jesus says, you know, get all these people ready to have some food. And they said, you know, Lord, even if we had to work a year, the salaries that we would make over a year wouldn't be enough to feed all these people. It goes back to prepping the ground. Jesus said, have the people ready to sit down. Manifestation in itself is a spiritual thing. Now, we see manifestation in the physical output. We see the loaves and the bread. 
But what we have to understand is that everything that's manifested on the physical level starts forth, first and foremost at a spiritual level. So mind is the master manifester. When you look at, I stated it earlier, look at anything in the room around you. All of that started off as a thought. Now, the person that had the thought, everybody told him that he was insane. How does he think that he's going to be able to create that? How is he going to get the finances? There's a hundred different stories. There's thousands of stories just like that represented in many of the things that are sitting right in front of you right now. You know, something as simple as a copy machine. When the founder of Xerox decided that he was going to make this copy machine a national brand and have it into the offices of companies and globally, people thought he was crazy. But he had a vision, an intention, an expectation. With the five loaves in the fish, people looked at what was present. When you're talking about five anyway, it stands for grace. Many of you are trying to manifest things in your life, and you're trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Yours is not to figure out the five loaves and the three fishes. Yours is to decide what it is that you want to manifest. In this case, it was food for the multitude. They started off with what it was that they had, and God brought about the manifestation. Let me say that again. They started off what, it, what they had, the idea, the concept, and God brought about the manifestation. Your job is to see the end. What is it that you want to manifest in your life? Who is it that you want to be? You set the intention the expectation, God will bring about the implementation. You can't know the people that are going to come into your life. You can't know the opportunities or sometimes even what appears to be the failures at the moment that are going to act as a catalyst to bring, a lo bring about the five loaves and three fishes and feed a multitude of, of four or 5,000. This is just the men. We haven't even got into the women and the children. Yours is to set the expectation of what it is, who it is that you want to be, Abraham, as far as your eye can see. And God's infinite spirit, the spirit in each one of us, goal and purpose will bring about the manifestation. Wow, y'all getting some teaching today, folks. Talk to us about attitude. Everything is about attitude. Some of you are going to hear what's being said, and you're going to say, man, that's a bunch of hogwash. You know, I don't believe it. And because of that attitude, the way that universe, the way that God's designed who you are as a person, I don't even want to get super spiritual, but the way that God is designed you as a person, life is going to say to you, be it unto you according to your faith. Somebody else is going to say, you know what, I'm going to begin watching what it is that I think about. I'm going to be mindful of my thoughts. I'm going to start listening to more of this and less of that. I'm going to start watching more of this and less of that. 
And what they're going to see is that their life is going to be radically transformed. And see, people will be apt to think that I'm just speaking off the top of my head and that I have no personal evidence. I had siblings who were incarcerated. One went back and got her master's degree, and she's a counselor. A brother of mine who was in and out of incarceration uh, until he became a uh, man of wisdom. He began to attract to himself other men who had came from the same background that he was in, and he began transforming their lives. Now, when I first started speaking into their lives at the age of 14, I was the crazy one in the house. I was the Christian, the, the one that he didn't know what he was talking about. I quit talking, and I started living. And they started seeing one miracle, one transformation after the other. Pretty soon they said, you know, I want what you want. And I gave them an introduction to themselves in the way of a person by the name of Jesus. Now, don't get caught up in the religion. Yours may be Buddha. Yours may be Muhammad. God is not bound to our names. When we step into eternity, we're going to be surprised at who's there. Don't get caught up in the name. Get caught up in the essence of who God is. See, God answered the prayer when we're praying believingly of an atheist. When the atheist believes that he or she can have what it is that they say. That's how universe works. That's how God works. God is no respecter of person. We've created titles, and we've given names to the supreme. But in eternity, there's just God. And the name God is in, isn't, isn't sufficient enough to identify. But for lack of another name to call him, I'll stick with that for now. The whole point is, when you understand that your attitude, you know, in the secular, we say your attitude makes or break you. It's so true. A good attitude, because of my father and the introduction to my father at the age of 14, opportunities have always come to me because of attitude. And if you got a sour attitude and you're wondering why doors are closing on you and so forth, check your attitude. Now, sometimes the hardest person to look at is ourselves. You know, sometimes it takes my wife to act as the mirror in my own life. So I don't always get this thing right. Understand that. I don't want you all to think that, oh, he's got it. I don't have all the answers. I know what I know. So what I'm communicating to you is what it is that I know and what I've experienced. I'm not just talking some theory that I formulated and said this is a workable theory. I'm speaking to you from a place of life experience, and I know this stuff works. But the other side of it is you've got to work it. But the first place you start is with the attitude. Wow. Talk to us about uh, self-concept or self-image. When we're talking about self-image, as I stated earlier, most of who we identify as our self-concept or our self-image has been given to us from others. We've never decided who it is 
that we will be. So when life happens, we say, this is just who I am. But who told you that's just who you were? Your parents, your educators, your pastor, the politicians, a person on the street, your employer. Who told you that's who you were? Because, see, God says you are God's, but you should die like men. And we die like men because we don't understand that we're God's. Now, some of you want to say, oh, he's talking crazy now. I didn't say that. That wasn't what I said. But God can only give birth. God can only create God. He says that he created man and woman in his image and his likeness. If God creates a person in his image and likeness, by name, we have to call that person a God. Now, we say, well, DiCarlo, what's the qualifications of God? God said it was good and creation was finished. Then what God did was give He's given dominion over to us. And you say, well, DiCarlo, how do we exercise this dominion? He says, choose this day. You're given to choose. And whatever you say about this day, we talked about earlier, but what are you naming the day? We talked about Genesis to Revelation. Adam was given, first man was given to name the animals. What are you naming the conditions in your world? Good, bad, indifferent, happy, sad? Be it unto you according to your faith. Choose you this day. As you look at what it is that you're doing, you're giving names to it. You're giving names to situations. You're giving names to leaders and politicians and so forth. God has given you dominion. So as you've given the name, as I am has given the name to his world, her world of experience, so must it be. Wow. Share a little bit of insight with us on uh, mindset and focus mastery. When you're looking at your mindset, most of us are operating off of autopilot. So because we're operating off of because we're operating off of autopilot, we say this stuff couldn't work because I keep experiencing the same thing over and over again. But the thing is actually working perfectly based off of your mindset. It wasn't until I changed my mindset and said that I could be in a better relationship, that I could have that car, that I could own that house, that I could have that type of job, that I could make this kind of money. That didn't happen until I had a mind shift change. It can't happen. God has given himself a decree not to interfere unless We've invited him in. So he's not going to just purposely change your life. 
first of all, even if he did, you wouldn't realize that he did, so you would still be operating from the same mindset, and everything would appear to be the same. Everything that you need to succeed in life, that ideal, that concept, that desire that you have, that's God putting that ideal in you. But there's something even more powerful. If you got the desire to do, you have within you the faculties to be. But if you don't understand that ego loves comfort, it loves what's familiar. So anytime you try to stretch to become more than what you currently are, mindset, ego, is going to say, it don't require all that. You don't have to do that. Why are you doing this? You don't even want to get up. But when you begin to understand from a place of vision, when you get a picture of who it is that you are and who it is that you ultimately want to become, and you plant that mental picture before you, there's nothing that's going to stop the manifestation of that goal once it's set in motion except you shifting your mindset. Now, Scripture says this about mindset, that a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways, her ways, and let them not believe that they shall receive anything from God. The reason why, it's not that God's withholding. The The God that's withholding is you. And what I mean by that is if you're vacillating between I want to go to California, and I want to go to New York. You can't go either way. So you can't receive the good that you would receive by taking action because you've not made a decision. It's only once you've made a decision or cut off any other possibility at that moment, whatever the decision is, decision means to cut off, to sever any other possibilities than the one that you're making at the moment. Then you open up the pathway to the next thing. and the next, It's like going to the store. When you go to the store, you make a decision of the items that you want to pick up. You can't get there and say, well, I don't know what I want. You know, and you're all day in the store saying you don't know what you want. You make a decision. Once that decision has been made, you purchase the items, you take them home, and then you benefit from the decision that was made. This is life. We're always manifesting. We try to make it this mysterious, magical thing, but this is who you are as creators. This is who you've been designed to be. What I'm saying is make a decision, decide who it is that you want to be, and mindset, life, surroundings will all acquiesce and make way for the thing that you've decided. Wow. It's been an amazing show. Tell the crowd, uh, the audience, about all your different social medias, uh, your email, your product. Tell them everything about you. The whole globe needs to know about you. Absolutely. 
if you want to hear more of what it is that we talk about on our programming and so forth, you can first of all go to uh, YouTube. If you go to YouTube and you type in DiCarlo Escott, you're going to uh, see a lot of talks out there based off of some of the things that we talked about today about mindset, about changing your mindset, beginning to think purposely so that you can create the life that you desire. You can also uh, look at our Facebook group. Now, it's a private Facebook group, but if you're interested, and again, the goal is is to help the people within that group to become self-sufficient. Many people teach these principles and so forth. What they want you to do is ultimately depend upon them. My goal, my mentor's goal, is not that you depend upon us, but that you learn to think and manifest for yourself. So if you go to the Metaphysical Art Theater, that's the Facebook group, the Metaphysical Art Theater, uh, and request to subscribe or to become a part of that group, uh, we'll welcome you in there. You can also go out to Amazon. i got many books on Amazon. Uh, the latest book that I've got out there is called The Seven Second Prayer. The Seven Second Prayers, the goal of The Seven Second Prayer is not praying as a sort, not like you think prayers, begging God and saying, God, please help me, but realizing that you are the prayer and understand that whatever it is that you give your attention to, ultimately, it's the prayer. So many people are, are praying for healing, for example, but they give their attention to illness. Illness becomes the prayer. You have to change the way that you're looking at your life and begin giving thanks for what it is that you want to manifest in your life. So that's the essence of the seven-second prayer. Upcoming workshop is called the Manifestation Course, and the point of the four-week Manifestation Course early on is to help people begin to purposely think in order to manifest the life that they want, and that's coming up soon. If you're interested in that, you can reach out to me by going to uh, DiCarlo Eskridge and then at Outlook.com. So, again, DiCarlo is at Outlook.com. Um, we got a number of products out there. Uh, like I said, if you go to the MetaphysicalArtTheater.com, you'll see a package out there, and that package is uh, one of my teacher talking about thinking right. And it's a very affordable package. It's a four-CD set uh, that will give you tools to begin getting your thoughts in line so that you can create the life that you desire. Again, that's the Metaphysical Art Theater. That package comes in a physical uh, CD package, but there's also a downloadable package that will have pretty much what the physical package will have, but you just have uh, instant access to it. And like I said, we've made it very affordable purposely because we're in the business of life change. Uh, but the biggest thing that's coming up in the near future, like I said, is the manifestation course and uh, my people are working on getting the website up on that so you go to manifestationcourse.com uh, that website will be up shortly but in the interim if you just want to reach out to me and you want to get more information about that uh, go to DiCarlo Eskridge uh, at gmail.com or I would suggest just going to hotmail.com so again DiCarlo Eskridge at outlook.com and that'll get you to me. I got so many addresses out there, but I want to direct you to the one that you're going to get the uh, most benefit from. So, again, DiCarlo Eskridge at Outlook.com. And if you got any questions, if you want to reach out, if you just got something you want to bounce off uh, or you're looking at uh, personal coaching, whatever, reach out to me. And 
if all else fails and you can't remember any of that, just go to decarloeskis.com, and there's a page on there that says Contact Me. Uh, from that link, uh, you'll be able to reach out to me, and I'll make it happen. So uh, easiest thing to do, all the stuff I just said, if you just go to decarloeskis.com, D-E-C-A-R-L-O-S-K-R-I-D-G-E.com, reach out to me, and I'll point you to whatever it is that you want. If you type in DiCarlo Eskridge in Google, you'll see most of my stuff out there, you know, the stuff that's active at this point. So that's also a starting point. Uh, I know I'm rambling on, but there's just so much that I'm doing, and I want to make sure that I point you in the right direction uh, so that you can get the most benefit. And listen, I have a lot of, like my brother was saying earlier, I have, if you just want to just listen and find out what it is that I talk about, you can go out to YouTube and other channels like that. There's a lot of free out there. I often suggest to people start with free and find out if it's a fit for you. And then once you move beyond free and you say, man, I listen to all of this stuff and I'm so excited and now I want to work with him directly, then we can do that. But And it's funny that somebody would tell you to start with free and try to take money out of the pocket. But see, I know it's not about me. It's about you. And I know that if I'm giving you service and you're benefiting from it, you're going to do what's right for you. And whatever that looks like, you know, I'm here for you. So start with free. Go to YouTube.com. Listen to some of the talks. And I know that you'll be blessed. Thank you, DiCarlo. I'm going to leave the show with several quotes. Uh, There's been a action-packed, powerful show, but don't let this fall on the ground. You know, there's seeds of greatness expressed today, seeds of abundance, seeds of love and relationships, seeds of intelligence. I mean, like I said, you, you was at Furs, you was at the Golden Corral, you was at Luby's, you was at Piccadilly's. I mean, you had a buffet in front of you. You might be overwhelmed. You can listen to the broadcast over and over again for free. He gave you many different channels, the outlets that you can go look at. I mean, the people that are succeeding on a medium scale, on a large scale, and beyond, they're actually applying the principles that was discussed and taught today. The gentleman teaches with such great simplicity and such humbleness that, I mean, I don't understand how, how you wouldn't be able to receive this. So Ralph Waldo Emerson said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. Buddha said, we are the sum total of our thoughts. Dr. Ken McFarland said, 2% of the world thinks, 3% of the world think that they think, and 95% of the world would rather die than think. Henry David Thoreau said, if one advances confidently in the direction of his or her dreams and endeavors to live the life which they have imagined, they will meet with success unexpected in common hours. Colin Powell said, a dream doesn't become reality through magic. It takes sweat, determination, and hard work. Michael Jordan said, I can accept failure, but I cannot accept not trying. Until the next time, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to ask a question because the mind cannot ignore a question. Where is your faith? Sudden impact out. Discover the power of positivity. Identify your gifts. Then plan and execute your passion. And ultimately, thrive exponentially in life and most importantly in business on Sudden Eye Impact with your host, with your host, Lee, 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 Lee.